Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. I'm Roger Nelson. I'm the founder and director of the Global Consciousness Project, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio Show. He went without food, not to lose weight, but to help people lose generations of hate. While many around him rose up with violence, he sat down for peace. When others used religion as an excuse for war, he used it to remind them of love. Mahatma Gandhi made the world a far better place by reaching out with the strength he cultivated within his soul. So, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Rising above, taking just a minute, I imagine stepping into a hot air balloon, the balloon slowly lifting up into the blue sky. Looking down, I see the picture of my life. Any problems seem so small. I take this moment to enjoy silence, peace, and to rest my mind. As the balloon gently descends, I return to my day with a quiet and peaceful mind. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was Raising Above by B.K. Kerbalani on her Just a Minute meditation CD. It's my pure wish that you're always thriving to be the best that you can be and you're not getting trapped in any kind of a waste thoughts that take you away from really contributing more to the planet. You can contribute in so many ways but most importantly, with your positive vibrations and your pure feelings. Today I have a very special guest because it's a conversation that's been coming up maybe within the last decade. It's been amplifying more and more all across the world. The whole energy of narcissism and what do we do with it if we live with somebody who's narcissistic or work with someone who's narcissistic or maybe we are narcissistic and we don't even know it or even to have a country under the leadership of narcissism. What do you do? How do you navigate your energies around that. How do you deal with individuals who tend to be very self-focused and perhaps maybe just don't have the DNA to think about what's best for the whole? My guest today is William Keith Campbell, PhD, who's a professor of psychology at the University of Georgia and a nationally recognized expert on narcissism. 
Society and generational change, the rise of narcissism and individualism more generally, and its influence on every level of our society. He's the author of The Narcissism Epidemic, When You Love a Man Who Loves Himself, and more than 120 peer-reviewed articles. His new book, co-authored with Carolyn Christ, is titled The New Science of Narcissism. Dr. Campbell has been studying, teaching, writing, and talking about the topic of narcissism for 30 years, and he's loaded with interesting information about narcissists. His work on narcissism has appeared in the USA Today, Time, the New York Times, and he has also made numerous radio and television appearances, including the Today Show and NPR, All Things Considered. Today, we welcome Dr. W. Keith Campbell to the America Meditating Radio Show. Hi, Dr. Campbell. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to get into this conversation. It is so deep and rich. Why in the world did you start to study narcissism <laughs> in 30 years ago? <laughs> I, I tell you, in my field of social and personality psychology, there's this big interest in people inflating themselves, and we all do it to an extent. We we think we're better than average, and when we succeed, we take credit. When we blame, we say it wasn't fair, and you know we can all be a bit entitled. And so there's this interest in this sort of inflated ego and people who are narcissistic turn out to be the ones who do this the most so not everybody is that selfish it turns out people who are narcissistic are a little bit more selfish and so I started studying it just as a research question and as happens in these cases the world kind of goes crazy so we had school shootings just sort of looking at that and social media and all sorts of other things so it's a topic that just took off got bigger and bigger and bigger. I guess narcissists are increasing day by day. (laughs) You know, the opportunities for narcissism in our society are increasing radically with, you know, social media is the most sort of recent example of this. But the way we're able to project and promote ourselves now compared to 10 or 20 or 30 years ago is just remarkable. What do you think is the reason behind us always wanting to be seen? I remember there was a social media site. It was called MySpace. You know, you've got Facebook. You've got an iPhone. Everything that's kind of branded with the I, the me, or the mine, or the, you know, it's all about me, does wonderfully, wonderfully. Why is that? What is that energy that is feeding? I think there's a very individualistic energy in America, in a lot of places, though, throughout the world, in that individualism can be expressed in lots of ways that are really positive and creative and pro-social and, you know, there's nothing really wrong with individualism. But what happens is there's certain people who become individualistic and also look at it as an opportunity to be better than everyone else, not just different, but better, superior, control people, get attention. And so in these individualistic societies, this sort of dark energy or this dark side of narcissism has a chance to flourish. Interesting, because we're seeing it more and more, and even till this day, Keith, I'll tell you, I don't do a selfie. I just find it so odd, and I'm not saying that you do. Okay, if you do, it's fine. I still love you, but I'm just (laughs) finding it really hard to lift up that camera and just record me, and even though I'm always on a camera, and I wonder what is that saying about myself that I just don't do these selfies. You know, you're not alone. 
when I first had to do a selfie, I did it for a magazine shot. They said, take a selfie, and I tried to do it. It's very uncomfortable because I'm a little anxious, and I don't like looking at myself, and taking pictures of yourself seems a little selfish for somebody of my age. So I did a fake selfie. The government kind of takes a selfie. But with kids growing up with phones that allow you to take selfies very easily and social media like Instagram or Snapchat that allows you to share those selfies very quickly, that these young kids have just grown up and it's different. It's normal for a lot of people. What we find, though, with people who are narcissistic is it's sort of easier. If I think I'm kind of hot, it's easy for me to take a picture and share it. If I'm a little anxious, if I don't think I'm that attractive, it's harder to do. So narcissism Hmm. encourages selfie-taking. Okay, that's great. So I guess I'm just unattractive. I got it. Okay, now let's move on to the next question. (laughs) No, I'm good with that. (laughs) I'm so good with that. Don't worry. I got it. Now, listen, congratulations on the release of your new book, The New Science of Narcissism. It's amazing, though, that, you know, as you were sharing earlier, you just started this whole study 30 years ago on the basis of just a question and how that question can take you into a story that here you are at a very pivotal time where narcissism is so high globally, but in particular it's in a country that we weren't expecting it to be in the form of a leadership So I'm sure you must be in high demand right now. Well, you know, obviously I think you're making a reference to the president, and I'm not interested in talking politics with everyone. That's not my expertise. But I am interested in leadership and narcissism. And what you see with people who are narcissistic is they're very good at gravitating to leadership positions because they want them, they're confident, they're willing to step up and do it. And historically... We've studied U.S. presidents. You get some very narcissistic people running for office. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what we have in Tower Now is an example, but Nixon and Lyndon Johnson and Clinton, there's lots of narcissistic energy in American politics because we pick people based on essentially a reality show, the campaign process. It's not how you pick a really stable, rounded, mature leader. It's how you pick a celebrity, and that's how we do it. And that's what we get. Yes, and I wasn't just talking about the who's living at 1600 Pennsylvania yes. Avenue. It's like everywhere, but especially just the current leadership of what's happening in the United States has been a big wake-up call, and it's a big karmic call as well. Let's go into this conversation, though, about narcissism and the science of it. What are some of the myths and mistaken assumptions about narcissism, and are there different kinds of narcissists? Yeah, I think asking that really hits one of the key issues that's a myth and a confusion. There is an idea that's been around for a long time. It comes out of psychoanalysis, these Freudian ideas, that narcissism was really a mask for insecurity. So that if I'm an insecure person, I don't feel I'm that attractive, I don't really do well in relationships, what I do is I pretend I'm really narcissistic and develop this really overly confident exterior, and that helps me get through life better. But if you look down deep inside, I'm really kind of a scared child. So that idea for narcissism was really powerful, but it turns out it's not really the case. I mean, it might be in some cases, but in general what you find is you find a group of people that we call more grandiose narcissists who are 
extroverted and maybe charismatic and likable and also have a sense of entitlement or a little bit callous, willing to exploit people, manipulate people. So that interesting combination, those folks often end up in leadership. You end up in relationships with them because they have this energy and drive, and that makes them appealing. On the other hand, there's this group of people which we call vulnerable narcissists. And these are people who are entitled and have that same lack of interpersonal warmth as the grandiose folks, but they're also a little insecure, threatened easily. If you tell them, you know, you're not so good, they get emotionally dramatic. They can become enraged easily. They're unstable. And these folks often end up seeing psychotherapists or psychologists or clinicians because they're depressed. They go, you know, I'm a legend. I'm really smart, but no one can see it. In fact, I don't really have a lot of friends, even though I think I'm a big deal. And so you end up with these two versions of people, <laughs> these two versions of narcissism that we see in the world. And the confusion came because the people in clinical psychology were seeing one group of people who were narcissistic and people who were dating or, you know, working in prisons or, you know, running for office on another group of narcissism. And it just led to a lot of confusion over time. Now, why is it that people who are narcissistic, we can see the signs? Okay, so they're driven or they're inspired, but there's also a part of them that you can sense they're really selfish and if you don't go their way, you're going to be in trouble. And why is it that there are certain people that navigate towards that energy? Is it that they, too, have that in them, or is it just that they don't want to do the work, so they want to ride on the skirt tail of somebody else who's got that stuff going for them, so it's just easier for them to hide behind them? I think there's probably multiple ways this happens. But what we find is that if you're narcissistic, having people like you is great. It's not that you're running around trying to be mean to people. It's nice being loved. It's nice having people around you. What happens in life, though, is you get in these situations where you have a choice of looking out for number one, taking care of yourself, making yourself look good or win, or helping other people. And when those choice points come, people are narcissistic will often help themselves and abandon others. And so this is where relationships go bad, where, you know, I'm in a relationship and, you know, I really want to cheat on my spouse, so I'm just going to do it because that would be better for me and she'll get over it. Or I'm in a business situation. I'm like, you know, I could budge the numbers a little bit. I'm going to look better and no one's really going to know. So I'm going to do that. So where do you see the problems with narcissism and a person with these choice points where they just make the choice for themselves? And that's where the destruction comes because they've ruined people around them. Now, does a narcissist know they're a narcissist? There is awareness more than we thought, so that the old model where there, there wasn't a lot of awareness, that people were sort of self-centered, but they were almost like bulls in a china shop stumbling around hurting people but not really being aware of it. It turns out in some of our more recent work that people who are narcissistic are often aware of it and they see the interpersonal costs. So they might say, my life's great, I'm a winner, but I wish I was, had a little more close relationship with my kids. I wish I had a little more love in my life. And I know that what I do makes that hard. So often there's some awareness, but the priority isn't there. The priority is more for making the self look better, and the priority isn't so much about those love relationships, emotionally warmer relationships. But there's more awareness than I thought when I started doing this work. Interesting. Are they happy people? Grandiose narcissism is associated with happiness and well-being. So people who are 
grandiose out there doing their thing and they're doing it effectively are generally somewhat happy. People who are more vulnerable, people who are narcissistic and aren't getting the attention they think they deserve, they aren't, you know, respected the way they think they want, are often unhappy. So you have somebody they call it the, you know, the sad face of narcissism is this sort of failed narcissism where your ego needs met. But when your ego needs are met and you're narcissistic, it's not a bad strategy. You feel pretty good. Mm, interesting. Now, here's a big one. How do you work around somebody like that? Let's say you have to work with someone who's narcissistic and your job's on the line. If you don't go their way, they're going to fire you or, or demote you or whatever. Do you have some practical steps that people can use to work around a narcissistic boss or even maybe a narcissistic spouse. Yeah, so the boss is challenging, and the way you set it up is perfect because what happens is we don't try to get in these situations, and we find ourselves in relationships or working for people really narcissistic. Often we just want to leave, and that makes sense. But life doesn't always work that way. You might have a job and your boss is a narcissist and you're like, I got to get through this. What do I do? My advice first is protect yourself. So keep records of everything. Protect yourself from getting your ideas stolen or getting, you know, betrayed somehow. Keep records. Secondly, when you're dealing with somebody who's narcissistic like that, you have two choices. One, you can sort of fight them and get that person upset and you might get fired or harmed. The other thing you can do is try to help the person. So if they're narcissistic, you help them get ahead and try to get them, you know, hired out of your circle or you ride their coattails a bit out of there. People who are narcissistic can be manipulated by giving them positive feedback. So if I'm full of myself and my employees come into work and say, hey, Keith, great day, you look great, that's going to make me like my employees. So there's things you can do that are more manipulative. I don't like telling people to manipulate people, but sometimes that's the best thing you can do. But whatever you do, protect yourself and keep those records. Because what happens in these situations is the narcissistic boss will steal your ideas or steal your work and then get you fired so you can't come back. And so that's the kind of risk you, you have out there. Wow. Now I know why, especially with our current leadership and administration, so many people that have worked in this administration have said that they've recorded people it's like there seems to be no trust across the board that everyone's holding a recording of a conversation or something. So it's really just to protect themselves because they know what they're involved with, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, going back to the Watergate tapes, I mean, this this idea of people recording things to protect themselves is powerful. And given the amount of technology they have, it's probably happening all the time. And if not now, I mean, pretty soon we're just going to have to go around assuming we're being recorded everything we say. <laughs> wow, what a world that we're living in. What are some of the benefits of understanding narcissism? I mean, are there any benefits? Is it that we can just deal with a person like that? Oh, and here's a better question, Keith. Can you change a narcissist? Different questions, but I want you to see if you can address them. No, I'll try to put them together. So narcissism is around and it's popular because it works for people. My general sense with narcissism is there's pieces of it that seem better for society, like being confident, going out there and try to succeed, competing, trying to build something great, doing great art, doing great theater, whatever it is. 
I mean, take some ego, and there's nothing wrong with that. The challenge with narcissism, the more toxic side of it is this interpersonal side. It's not loving people, but instead competing with people, putting them down, manipulating people, exploiting people. So my sense with narcissism in the society is we really want to minimize that, those interpersonal consequences, the exploitation and the meanness and the callousness, and really focus on that piece. If people want to think they're a big deal, if they're willing to try it, let's give them a shot. In terms of changing personality, I think, again, the key thing with narcissism is often you're trying to be a nicer person or be more loving or trying to expand that part of yourself. And we have a lot of research in the last decade that shows that personality can change. We used to think personality was really set in stone when you were young in the first few years of life or at least the first, you know, 18 years. But it seems that personality can change throughout life, that therapy can do it, that experiences can do it, that normal aging does it. You know, having kids makes you maybe more responsible. Having your kids leave maybe makes you happier. You know, there's these different life course processes. So I think people can change. I think it's a, a challenge now of people identifying how to change you know, where they want to change and getting it done. So, you know, we have therapists that deal with, you know, mental disorders to change. But if somebody says, you know, I've got, I'm a little bit callous, I'm mean, I just want to be a little bit nicer person, there's not a lot of middle ground for people, you know, to go, hey, yeah. I, here's where I can learn that. There's isn't really therapy for being a nicer person. There's loving kindness meditation practices and things like that that are practices that people have to find. Now, for those of us who might be listening in and you are more thinking about the other person is narcissistic, in Keith's book there's also some mentioning about some of us do exhibit narcissistic tendencies in our day-to-day behavior. And I'd like if you can highlight that so none of us can get off the hook. I mean, (laughs) it's easy for us to point the finger at a super-duper expert narcissist, but what about us mediocre ones who are little bit like, oh, I'm going to taste a little bit of narcissism here because why not? It's time I act like I'm all that, you know, <laughs> and then they go yeah. back into their shells. Yeah, I think that's really important and very easy with narcissism because it's a, sort of a pejorative term. And so it's easy to point at your finger at somebody and it's often somebody successful saying, look at that narcissist, what a terrible person. <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm so nice. I'm the most caring person there is. And That's not really true. Narcissism exists on a spectrum, and, you know, most of us have it to some degree or another, and we have it in spots. So, personally, I have terrible issues with entitlement. You know, I'll get on the freeway, and the traffic's not moving, or I'll get on a flight, and the weather's bad, and I'm, you know, cursing the world as why did the meteorology conspire to make my day bad? It's crazy selfish behavior, but I do it all the time. And it's a practice not to do this because it's causing me suffering. And I think there's lots of these narcissistic behaviors, entitlements. One, practicing gratitude is much better than being entitled. You know, the more loving I am, it's usually better than the less loving. But that's a practice. It sure is, and we sure need more of that. In the book, you refer to narcissism as one of the greatest psychological challenges of our time. And You've also said that it has quietly grown to a near epidemic proportions across the globe. It's definitely impacting every sector of our society. Is it just because of social media, or is it that narcissism was just already in our DNA? We were just 
waiting for something to validate that we are just as important as the billionaire or the model or whatever they might be that seems to have it all going on and you're living in your little 500 square feet in one bedroom little studio and you're like I'm just as good you know look at me and then they put out their camera and they start to take a picture and do their stuff what are some of the effects of narcissism that's actually taking place in society how is it damaging our society and does it at all help us I mean, there's a lot to that question. I mean, social media was late to the game, really, and hijacked this narcissism. But you see it with things as basic as urbanization, when people move out of small towns in the country and move to the big city and meet more strangers. You know, they tend to be a little more narcissistic. They have to go promote themselves to get jobs. When sort of traditional society breaks down and people have to go out there and brand themselves and hustle for economic growth, there's just a natural push to narcissism. Social media is going to change it because it allows anybody to have access to what before only celebrities could with television stations. So it plays a huge role in spreading narcissism, but it's just one piece of a much bigger puzzle. In terms of society, I think narcissism is, necessary in a society where people have to go out there when they're young and promote themselves to get into the system. So if you could just go to school and fall in line and get a job and do what you're supposed to do, you don't need to be narcissistic. You just need to be a good citizen, a good team player. But when that breaks down and you have to go out there and hustle your way into a job, narcissism is just going to be promoted. It's not going to be everybody, but it's just going to be pulled for kind of sad. Whatever happened to the humble, and I'm speaking on behalf of people like me, you know, the ones who are very thoughtful, consistent, humble, cooperative, loving, they're not going to push themselves fully out there. Look, look, look at me. Doesn't anyone value that truthfulness anymore? Sort of like the way of Jesus, you know? Is anyone looking for the real deal anymore? Is everyone just caught up in the illusion? That's such a great question. So when you hear somebody who really is the real deal, who's humble, who isn't putting himself or herself out there, who's kind of walking the walk, the challenge is there are people out there like that. They're hard to find because there's so much noise right now that somebody's quiet is going to be harder to find. My hope is that if people are able to keep looking, that they'll realize this stuff will come back people will start to see value over time. After all the flash of social media dies off, people will go, oh, this value is still here and be drawn to it still. But I don't know. I really don't. I have to predict the future. <laughs> I'm in trouble doing that now. Don't worry, you're not alone. But maybe that will be your next book on raising the voice on the humble ones on the planet. We've covered a lot today, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. What's the main message that you would like to leave with our listeners today? The message that I find interesting is that narcissism and personality and who you are is something that you can understand. It's something you can work with. It's something you can change. It's not something that's built in. And I think psychology is a reasonable tool for that. It might be useful for people. Give us some information as to where we can get a copy of the book. Are you doing any online events that people can sign up for? The New Science of Narcissism is available. Local bookstores, Amazon should be end of the month. You can look at WKeithCampbell.com or NarcissismLab.com. We have some tests up there. I'm not planning any launches right now. Given the pandemic, though, things can change rapidly, so who knows? Yeah, that's so true. Well, look, thank you for doing this book. I'm looking forward to getting my teeth into it, and 
you were just a delight to have on air today, and I'm wishing you all the very best with maybe further emergence of stuff that we need to hear about, like on humility. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been really fun. Same here. All the best. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that was Dr. W. Keith Campbell and the author of a really timely book, The Narcissism Epidemic, When You Love a Man Who Loves Himself. Wow. Powerful stuff, huh? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And guess what? We are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. And remember to pause every hour and hour. Send your peace to the self and to America and to the world. And let's get on with the business of making this a much better world. I'm going to end the show with Fearless, which from my Inclusion Revolution Together with Love Meditation CD. If you haven't gotten the copy, go to iTunes or Amazon and let me know what you think about it. You be well. Take care. Take a deep breath and pause for a moment. In a quiet space of my mind, I gently allow my thoughts to settle, offering me some insight into what stirs deeply in my consciousness. When I'm walking and moving around and interacting with others, I'm off guard and I forget what's sitting at the base of my consciousness. External influence trigger internal realities but in this very special moment I choose to allow a sacred courage to emerge as I the soul travel through uncharted territories of my inner being so in this moment I, the energy of light, the being, the soul, give myself permission to let go of any fear that might be surfacing. Because in this state of sacred trust and sacred courage, I am not alone. In this awareness, I realize I haven't lost anyone or anything. I don't need to think too far ahead or too far behind. I am present here for me. Sitting in this state I have the ability to overcome any fear that surfaces in thoughts. And being in this present state, there's the feeling of absolute stability, expansion, silence, peace. 
in a state of being fearless. In this state, I seek no desire. And when I maintain my sacred courage, the past is automatically released. Sister Jenna, you've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.